Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Massaging the Message, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars and Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we've got another messaging video for you. I saw a couple of articles come out this week that I'm really intrigued by. If you follow this channel at all, you know... We are big fans of Star Wars, we're big fans of the MCU and video games and technology, and there are a couple of news items which I saw hit my social media feeds, hit Reddit, hit the forums that I sometimes get a chance to look at, uh, and they both relate to kind of pop culture items, pop culture phenomenon that we have discussed a bit in virtual legality, a little bit more on the channel where we talk about pop culture in general. But they're two separate stories, but I think they're of a piece, so I wanted to talk about them uh, with you in general. They, they really reflect some of what I've come to understand about corporate messaging, about how clients and companies discuss what they are doing in the real world, how they massage that message in order to present their best face forward to the public, especially if they have these significant roles in the public eye. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about is Ryan Johnson. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Ryan Johnson is the writer and director of the latest Star Wars film, The Last Jedi, the one that came out in 2017, not the one that's coming out this December, which is done by J.J. Abrams. But The Last Jedi has been a source of constant divisiveness online. I can't speak to you. I can't speak to what kind of uh, sense of things you have amongst your friend group. If you are a Star Wars fan, if you've seen The Last Jedi, I can tell you personally it was not a film that I enjoyed very much. You can see my video essay on it on this channel. Uh, but suffice it to say, one of the things that Disney did before The Last Jedi came out is that they announced that Ryan Johnson and his partner, uh, Ram Bergman, would get the rights to do a Star Wars trilogy of their own uh, after The Last Jedi came out. And not many details were given about that trilogy. In fact, no details were given about that trilogy. And as Ryan Johnson has given interviews about it, he basically said, hey, he and Lucasfilm just liked working together so much, they basically greenlit the idea of a trilogy without an actual idea for what that trilogy will be, and that he's been uh, sent to work on it for a period of time. Now, over this last week, a number of stories have come out because there are a lot of YouTubers, a lot of internet people, especially those that didn't like The Last Jedi, that pretty constantly beat the drum of Ryan Johnson's trilogy has been canceled. And so in response to that, a number of articles came out to get clicks, sure, but here are the headlines that I see when I just do a past week news search on Google. It says, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy still on track. Will we see it before 2030? Ryan Johnson's Star Wars film still remains on the boards. Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy confirmed to still be in development, etc., etc. There are a number of articles like this. I said, okay, that's interesting, right? We haven't really heard from Ryan Johnson in a long time. We know that when we thought he might have been working on Star Wars, he was in fact writing and directing a brand new movie that I believe comes out in this fall called Knives Out, which has Daniel Craig in it, has uh, Captain America in it, has a number of other people of, of some fame uh, in that film. Uh, and so a lot of people had thoughts, hey, maybe the Star Wars plan has been canceled. Maybe The Last Jedi was div divisive enough to make sure that it wasn't uh, brought forward. 
And then you see these articles come out. And this was a thing that was discussed all over the internet for a short period of time. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting. I, I read through some of these. They didn't really refer to the actual principal interview uh, where it took place. And so I was able to find that. And it's a deadline article, uh, which I will bring up for you now, uh, that says Knives Out duo Ryan Johnson and Ram Bergman form T Street with funding from Valence Media MRC Toronto. In other words, this is an article that is not about Star Wars at all. It's actually about two creators that have decided to go into the producing business. Uh, very similar to when J.J. Abrams started Bad Robot or when other uh, directors or writers have formed their own production houses in order to essentially play a part in the production of films and not just the creative side of things. And so they had this interview to essentially talk about T Street, talk about what they want to do with it, talk about how they're broadening their horizons with their new endeavor. And as part of this interview, as you would expect with Ryan Johnson sitting there in front of you, they were asked about Star Wars. So they then said, they then moved to event picture making with Star Wars Last Jedi. This is after repeating the rest of their biography. And the next sentence, if you can believe it, is the only sentence that all of these articles are based on. The sentence is, they are crafting a new film series set within the Star Wars universe, and those plans remain on the boards. That sentence in deadline, because Star Wars is such a big pop culture phenomenon, is basically all that anybody based any of their articles on, any of their discussion of what would be happening in the Star Wars universe and that Ryan Johnson's plans uh, were still coming to fruition, which is fine. I think everybody has allowed their opinions on these things. I want to talk about messaging because the one thing you see in this interview is you don't see anything from Ryan Johnson talking about that himself. Basically, you get the kind of implication that they were asked about Star Wars. They didn't really want to talk about Star Wars. They wanted to talk about T Street. And they said something along the lines of, yeah, yeah, that's still happening, which you would expect. If you're not familiar with movie making, and God knows I don't live in Hollywood. I don't live in California. I only watch this stuff from afar because I'm interested in the business of creation, whether that's video games or movies or books or TV shows. Uh, but if you're, if you're interested in the, in the business of movie making, you know that a lot of products are in development at all times, and they get stopped in various stages of development before they come out. So I think when you have this discussion online, if you are a big Star Wars fan, if you're an adamant Last Jedi fan, or if you're a Last Jedi detractor, I think what's important to note about what's happening here from a corporate perspective is that Ryan Johnson is not wrong to say his stuff is still in development. Disney hasn't fired him. Disney hasn't said, go away, we don't want to deal with you anymore. In fact, what they've done is they've said, hey, could you make something for us in the future? We're going to pay you some money, maybe give you some office space, put a treatment together, put some ideas together, and show them to us in a couple years. And the reason I say a couple years is because the one thing that has come out is that Bob Iger at Disney has said the next Star Wars movie hitting theaters will be in 2022. I've pulled up the Verge article that just highlights what he said earlier this year, and it will be from Game of Thrones uh, writers Benioff and Weiss. Now, we can talk about Game of Thrones at length as well. All of this stuff hits my pop culture wheelhouse uh, and whether or not Disney's still thrilled about them moving forward with the Star Wars project. But even if they weren't, right now the next slot for Star Wars is 2022. And you get the strong impression when we talk about corporate messaging, you get the strong impression from Disney's side of things that after Solo, and yes, they have to finish this trilogy because that's where they slotted it in. So Rise of Skywalker happens in December. But after that, they're going to move some stuff to Disney Plus, their new streaming service, and they're going to take a break. And the reason they're going to take a break is they say that, hey, maybe there's some fatigue. Maybe we move too fast. He says here, it makes sense to take a hiatus. Three years is the proper amount of time to take a breather and reset, but really gear up for the next film's release. We did a deal with Benioff and Weiss, and the next movie will be theirs. 
you get the impression just from a corporate standpoint that they do think mistakes were made. Doesn't mean that they think they're drastic mistakes. It's very hard to tell that from the outside. It does mean that they think that there is a better direction that they could go. Maybe pausing the cadence of movies is the right idea for the long term. And you'll see a three hour gap, a three year gap between these movies in general. But whatever they have done now in the past, they want to reexamine. And that will understandably include who's got signed up to these movies. That includes Benioff and Weiss. In fact, when Benioff and Weiss were signed up, one of the things that came out was that they were going to be writing and directing, I believe, all three movies of their trilogy. And then it later came out in various articles that right now they're only attached to, I believe, directing the first movie. It might be writing the first movie, but they're, they're attached to less than what was originally thought to have been announced. So these things are constantly in flux. That includes Ryan Johnson's stuff. So Ryan Johnson isn't wrong to say he's going to continue working on the movie, but he's also not right if he were to guarantee that that movie will come out. And he's not silly enough to do that. A lot of really good ideas get stuck in development hell. And right now, as far as we know, Ryan Johnson hasn't even proposed those really good ideas, potentially, if they are going to be really good ideas. He's still in a a kind of zone of holding because Disney wants Benioff and Weiss to have the next slotting. And now if they are going to do their whole trilogy, if you're talking about 2022, 2024, 2026, chances are, even if Ryan Johnson's stuff is still in development, He doesn't even have to deliver and they don't have to really agree on what that looks like until maybe 2024, maybe midway through that trilogy. They can get working on that uh, set of movies to, to launch in 2028, 2030. And yes, that might be the possibility. That might happen, but it might not. That's a long way out for anybody to predict. That's more than a decade. Disney might look completely different. Disney might own every movie studio on earth by that point in time. It's very hard to say. And so... I think when you think about all these things, when you read these articles, when you participate in that Reddit board, when you're on Reset Era or NeoGAF or you're discussing these things, it's really important to kind of try to parse out what they're saying and also what they're not saying. I think it's great if you loved Last Jedi and you're happy that Ryan Johnson's stuff is still in development. God knows I'm a big Star Wars fan. I hope if he comes up with an idea, it's brilliant and it's the best thing that has ever happened to Star Wars. I have my doubts on that score. You'll see that if you look at my review of Last Jedi. But even with my doubts, I'd prefer everything to be great if it can be. That being said, there's a long way from here to there in terms of those movies getting made. And I think the fact that Disney slid Benioff and Weiss in front of him when he was the first named to the Star Wars project does say, hey, they want to at least put a little distance between what he's doing and Last Jedi. And then, of course, the announcement in Deadline of them starting a production studio in and of itself indicates that they have other fish to fry. They have other pans in the fire. And so it could be a long way down the line. They say, hey, Disney wanted to do this with me, but I've got other things to do. And we really loved our time doing Star Wars. And we expect them to make great Star Wars, but we're going to go our separate ways at this point in time. Everybody gets a soft landing and nobody really gets hurt from a public relations standpoint. If I were a betting man, I might bet on that sometime in the middle of their next trilogy. But there's a lot of change to come at Disney in the next 10 years, a lot of change to come everywhere on Earth in the next 10 years, certainly at Lucas film as well. And so that's what I wanted to say about Star Wars and Ryan Johnson. I think it's very easy to kind of get involved in these kind of wars online. There's nothing that you can really take from a yes or no or red light or green light stop go standpoint on this. Just note that when they say things like that, when it's not a quote, when it's just, hey, it's still coming, that's a long way from any kind of guarantee that it will actually occur. And I think a lot of people know that, but I still think it's an important thing to press upon. The second thing I wanted to talk about from a messaging standpoint, because this is something we've talked about in virtual legality, it is something we've talked about at length, is this whole Spider-Man, Sony, Disney, MCU separation. And I've pulled up another kind of Google news search from the last year. I've pulled up these various articles that say 
Sony Pictures Chief, the door is closed. Some other articles that say the door is closed on the MCU. We've got GameSpot saying Sony confirms that Spider-Man is out of the MCU. I did a very long virtual legality episode a couple of weeks back that basically said don't necessarily think that Spider-Man won't be in any MCU movies in the future. I did the math on talking about what the various deal points are. If you're at all interested in that, I highly recommend it. I think we had a good conversation about what was happening between Sony and Disney and Spider-Man. And my analysis at the end of that video was, I think it's more likely than not that with that amount of money on the table, the two companies come to a deal at some point in time. Now, the people that commented on that video, a number of them asked me, you know, when do I think that would get done? If I'm optimistic and I think that deal would get done, when would it happen? And I told them, I said, hey, right this second, there's no rush to get a deal done with Spider-Man. There is no imminent Avengers movie. There's no imminent movie in which Spider-Man would necessarily be required in the MCU. And so in my experience, when I'm negotiating contracts on behalf of clients, and we're talking about somebody that walks away from the negotiating table, in general, you don't really start to get movement on things that are generally deemed to be uh, non-negotiable until you get really close to a point of no return. And I said to this person in my comment to that video, I said, hey, look at the situation with Spider-Man and Disney and Sony. It's very likely to me that if something's going to happen, it's more likely to happen either immediately, sure, if they just come to their senses and decide the public relations mess is too much and hey, let's come to a deal, or more likely when it gets to the point where maybe Spider-Man is getting close to finalization of a new script for Spider-Man, what amounts to Spider-Man 3, uh, which I think I jokingly called Broken Home in various places, uh, or if Spider-Man would be necessary in the MCU. And the reason those are points of no, no return is that Disney would very much want to control what Spider-Man's backstory is and what he looks like if he were to recome into the MCU. So when Spider-Man 3 is getting finalized and would otherwise be something that Sony is putting into production, that might be, a, might be a point in time when Disney and Sony decide to come back together. But the reason we're having this video and this discussion right now is because these articles came out and said, Sony confirms that Spider-Man is out of the MCU, all this other stuff that is happening right now. And so I wanted to talk about the actual article that came out of this. It's a Variety article. It's similar in kind of scope to the Deadline article. It's not really necessarily focused on the Sony and Spider-Man split. This is a longer article, but this is all in the context of a presentation, a conference that the Sony CEO, Tony Vincicara, was at. So I want to read you a few clips from the Variety article here. Fans holding out hope that Spider-Man might be returning to the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be disappointed to hear that, for the moment, the door is closed, according to Sony Pictures chairman and CEO Tony Vincicara. Now, put a pin in for the moment. We're going to discuss that in a second. Speaking at Variety's Entertainment and Technology Summit, so this is a Variety conference put on to get quotes and articles like this, Vincicara cryptically added that it's a long life implying that perhaps in the distant future, the web-slinging hero might swing his way back to the Disney-owned company. And then they discuss how Sony has felt about the public relations mostly going against them when this happened. And it says that uh, Mr. Vincicara did acknowledge that fan backlash to the news, saying it had been an interesting couple of weeks for the studio. Now, there's a little bit more in this article I want to highlight, but let's stop there for right this second. When you see these kinds of quotes, for the moment the door is closed, it's a long life, it's an interesting couple of weeks, I don't think you should take it like GameSpot did when we looked at their headlines. Sony says he's never coming back to the MCU. The door is closed. I also find it interesting when people quote an article like this and they eliminate some really important language when they do the headline. So we see the quote is, for the moment, the door is closed. I view that as functionally different from the door is closed. The door is closed is kind of an angry statement. We don't like those Disney chaps. We're getting the heck out of here. The door is closed. For the moment, the door is closed 
is read to me as a corporate lawyer as we don't have a contract right this second. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I want to talk to you about what is the process of entering into a major contract like a license between Disney and Sony would be. And part of that is kind of a letter of intent or memorandum of understanding process. And part of that is confidentiality. And I've redacted a bit of language that I have in my current letter of intent that I'm working on a deal on right now to talk to you about that for just a second. He also adds it's a long life. He's saying, hey, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And it's been an interesting couple of weeks for the negative publicity. So if you're following virtual legality, you're already used to us talking about messaging. But when you see something like this, the best way to think about it is if I don't have a contract signed with Disney and I'm the CEO of Sony Pictures, I can't say that I am going to have a deal with Disney. I can't make that promise. I can't promise you that something is in the works. I can't necessarily even promise you that we're talking, which is something I'm going to show you in the, in the language that I have uh, redacted at the end of this video. So if I can't say those things, what do I say? I say, for the moment, the door is closed. That's pretty close to corporate speak for, hey, for the moment, the door is closed, but tomorrow the door might be open, or we hope that the door is open. It's a long life. Hey, I can't say what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone next year. And if we're talking about a drop dead date that's actually three years in the future, that's a long time for two companies to get together. That's a long time for presidencies to change, for executive officers, for board of directors to change and have different people making these decisions. So it's a long life. And hey, we also understand that Sony took the brunt of this negative publicity, whether we thought it was fair or not. That is distinct from now my business position as to whether or not I should make this deal. That changes my understanding of reality, whether I think it's fair. Yes, I can try to go on a public relations push to try to make things better for Sony. But if I don't think I can improve that, then I have to start making decisions based on the fact that people don't like what Sony did here, even if we think we're being pushed around by Disney. So I look at all those statements together and say, uh, you know, I think they're probably still have an open phone line. I think I think they're probably still kind of backdoor talking about what something might look like. They obviously had a very productive, very kind of constant relationship for the past number of years. So that phone line's always going to be open. They're going to go to the same restaurants, whatever else they're going to do. And so I still think optimistically, Spider-Man is probably likely to make his way back to the MCU. Now, you, I, there are no guarantees in the real world. And anybody could act irrationally at some point and say, I'm not interested in that enormous amount of money and I think we can do it on our own, which is essentially what you see Sony saying here. Now, this is a public-facing company, so Sony has to project strength, just like Disney has to project strength when it's talking about a Ryan Johnson trilogy, just like Ryan Johnson himself should project strength on the fact that he's entered into this Disney contract for Star Wars. Sony projects strength, so they put the quote up here. They say, Spider-Man was fine before the event movies. Did better with the event movies. They're giving credit to Disney. And now that we have our own universe, we have the Venom movie, we have the Spider-Verse movie, he will play off the other characters as well. And then a little bit defensive here, I think we're pretty capable of doing what we have to do here. So, hey, Sony's been making movies for a long time. Disney isn't the only company that can make good movies. We do understand fundamentally why the public relations was as bad as it was because Sony has been known to maybe not make as good of a comic book movie as Disney. Everybody loves Kevin Feige and what the MCU and the Infinity Saga has put together. And so we understand some of the negativity here, but we know how to make a movie. And so Sony has to say everything's going to be fine because they want people to believe in their new Spider-Man. And hey, there's no problem with that. That's exactly what a CEO of Sony Pictures should do. It means absolutely nothing to whether or not they're discussing Spidey coming into the MCU, working with Kevin Feige on their own movies, or anything else. That statement would be the same if they were in the midst of conversations right this second, as well as if they'd never talked to each other ever again. 
So that's the kind of way you have to read those statements. You have to look at when a CEO says something that absolutely has to be said. Project strength for the company doesn't mean anything about the MCU. Meanwhile, they actually talk in this Variety article about a different conversation that was done by John Favreau, who works for Disney in various capacities. He did The Lion King. He's just doing The Mandalorian for Disney+. Plus. He says, I've been talking to everybody about it, and I'm cautiously optimistic. So John Favreau is an industry insider. He has friends on all sides of this thing. He is actually willing to go out in public because he's not the face of one of these companies and saying, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I think the best way to read that is not that he has any understanding of what's happening behind boardroom doors or anything like that, but just that there is a general will between these two companies, or at least between some highly placed people at these two companies, to try to get something done. Which is no surprise if you listen to virtual legality or if you just follow the news on your own that these two companies would want to make a lot of money by having Spider-Man continue to participate in the way that he has done in the past. But I also wanted to talk to you about messaging, sure, but why you see things this way. So as I promised, I wanted to talk a little bit about the process of doing a major transaction. And so I wanted to bring up a little bit of language that I've redacted from a letter of intent that I have right now. Letter of intent is essentially the step you take before you enter into a significant agreement. Now, if we're talking about Spider-Man, the license between Sony and Disney is probably 100, 200, 300 pages long. You have to cover every I, every T, every possibility for what your license material is going to be, when it goes away, how much it costs, what the royalties are, what the warranties are, everything else. When you've decided that you've basically got the economics down, a lot of the time what you're going to do is you're going to enter into a letter of intent. That letter of intent is going to uh, highlight what the basics of the agreement are, or you might see this in the form of a memorandum of understanding. That's important because you don't want the lawyers, you don't want your company to be spending the time and resources to make 300 pages of document if you don't fundamentally agree that the split should be 35% or 4% or whatever it is that you're going to agree on. So you discuss what the actual terms of the thing are going to be. It's going to last five years. There's going to be a 50-50% financing split. You're going to get 30% of the royalties of X and 25% of the royalties of Y. Whatever it is, you come up with that term sheet. And that term sheet gets signed by both parties because it's important that everybody agrees to it. Now, the actual economics of that, the license isn't binding at that point in time, but that gives the lawyers, that gives the corporate diligence folks, that gives the accountants and everybody else the green light to go forward with this drafting process. It'll take months and months and months. This letter of intent that you're looking at right now that I'm going to discuss with you in a second is for a deal that is projected targeted to close at the end of October. We're sitting here now at the beginning of September. That's two months from now. This is not anywhere near the size of a deal that would happen between the Sonys and the Disneys of the world. Now, they'd have more resources than the Hoglaws of the world as well, so they can do a lot of stuff uh, kind of simultaneously. That Be that as it may, two months is not an unusual runway for a deal like this at all. So what happens when you enter into that memorandum of understanding or that letter of intent? Even though you've basically agreed that an economic transaction will happen, in almost all of these, you have a provision like what you see before you, which is confidentiality. And I'm going to read it to you so that the people that listen to this on the podcast can hear what I'm talking about. And I'll just say blank for the redactions here. But it says, this proposal, including the existence and contents of this letter of intent and the fact of or contents of discussions among the parties here too. So let's take a stop just there. This is just the proviso. But it says, when we talk about confidential information, it includes the existence of this letter. It includes the fact that we talked about anything at all is provided with the understanding that the owner and blank will maintain the confidentiality of this information. The existence of this letter, the fact that we talked, the transaction terms, we are agreeing to these right now on, an, on a basis of total confidentiality so that we don't mess around with economics or the public markets or anything else that might pop up. 
Neither the owner nor blank will disclose this information, the terms and conditions hereof, or the fact that negotiations are taking place between the owner and blank regarding the sale of blank to any other person or entity other than to those parties who require such information for the purpose of assisting the owner or blank. That's lawyers and accountants who, like me, need to know that you're going to buy a company or you're going to sell a company in connection with the transaction and provided that such parties are likewise bound to maintain the confidentiality of such information. You got to make sure your representatives are all bound as well. Neither the owner nor blank shall make any news release or public disclosure with respect to the potential transaction defined below without prior mutual written consent. You can't talk about this. There is a months long period where we have even agreed to what this thing looks like. And then if I appear at a conference for variety and they ask me interview questions, I can't even say we're talking. Now there can be leeway here, especially for something as big as this, where you might say, hey, we're gonna agree on a press release to let you know that Sony and Disney have agreed in principle or have agreed to terms that will not be negotiated. Probably something like that is more likely to happen when they enter into a memorandum of understanding for something this big. It's not a guarantee. Sometimes it depends on the legal counsel, the general counsel, the various companies, how they want to handle something like this. But in almost all cases, it is to the benefit of both parties to shut up about what they're talking about until somebody has signed on the dotted line. And so when we talk about these things, your expectation should be whether they're talking about Spider-Man and the MCU or not. These things take months even after they've agreed upon them. And nobody could say anything really until it's mostly finished up at least the economics and the governance side of things. So if you take anything away from this video, I would recommend that you take away this in respect of Spider-Man. One, I'm still optimistic that the parties get something done because it's still just too darn valuable of a combination of these two companies to just leave lying on the table. Two, even if they are going to get something done, it's probably gonna take place closer to a drop dead point when Spider-Man would otherwise be controlled by Sony completely in terms of his background, his characterization, and that Disney would want to be a part of that if he was going to come back into the MCU. Three, even at that drop dead point, when they are finally discussing what that license would look like, it would still probably take months to get done. And in the intervening time after they basically agreed to what something would look like, there would probably be confidentiality obligations outside of maybe an acknowledgement of the two companies that they are working towards something or have an agreement in principle as to what a license might look like. Which unfortunately means if you're very invested in Spider-Man and the MCU, that in all likelihood, you're not going to get a lot of satisfaction in the near term. I really thought there was a window right now to get it done after the public relations stuff came out. And then that window kind of goes away until you get closer to a Spider-Man movie or, or a place where Disney would want Spider-Man in their films. And so it's going to take a little bit of time. But because of the way contracts work, because of the way letters of intent work and memorandums of understanding and big corporate business, you're not going to be able to see the CEO of Sony or the CEO of Disney or Kevin Feige or Tom Holland or really anybody else do anything other than to present strength for their company position. You see Tom Holland saying, hey, I'm super excited about working for Sony. It's going to be great. You see Sony saying, hey, the door's closed for the moment. You see Disney and Kevin Feige saying, hey, wasn't it great to work with Spider-Man for those five movies? That is exactly what you would expect. Don't take that to mean that they're not talking. Obviously, don't mean that. Don't, don't take that to mean that they are talking. But in any event, you really aren't going to get any more information until it's much closer to happening. And I would expect that closer to when a Spider-Man movie was actually getting close to going into production. 
This has been Virtual Legality for today. We talk about these kinds of things all the time. Information technology, software, video games, pop culture, licenses, business law, all this stuff. If you're at all interested in these things, please check out the channel. Please like, please subscribe, please get notifications, all that good stuff. If you watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. I very much appreciate it. And if you caught it on its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. Please do share it around with anybody that you think might be interested. And I will catch you on the very next episode of virtual legality.